1. A Birthday Present In a sea of top hats, bowlers, and Chesterfield topcoats, Jack Futrell, bareheaded, felt damned near dowdy in his three-piece tweed, the soot-flecked breeze mussing his brown hair. His wife, of nearly seventeen years, May, standing beside him on Platform 12 at Waterloo Station, was a Gibson girl come to life in her tailored shirtwaist, leg of mutton sleeves and long black skirt made stylish by her elaborate black-and-white feathered chapeau. Futrell had the towering burly build of a waterfront plug-ugly, but the kind regular features of his round face and the pince-nez eyeglasses his brown eyes nestled behind gave him a professorial demeanor. Though a successful author, even a celebrity, the London press insisted on referring to him as the American Conan Doyle, Futrell knew he was out of his league, financially speaking. The boat train he and May were about to board would be carrying first-class passengers to the brand-new dock built by and for the White Star Line at Southampton. He had booked second-class passage on the Titanic. It had been widely publicized that second-class on this new luxury liner was designed to surpass first-class on the rival Cunard Line, but somewhat mysteriously had received first-class tickets. A note from J. Bruce Ismay himself, the son of the White Star Line's founder and currently its managing director, had enigmatically stated only, Please see me at your convenience after boarding, signed with Regards, Bruce. Regards from a man Futrell had never met. May, of course, had been delighted. They had found the tickets waiting in their mail slot at the Savoy yesterday morning, and over a magnificent luncheon May had sipped champagne and said in a Georgia lilt that years of living in Massachusetts had done nothing to allay. Perhaps Mr. Ismay knows it's your birthday. And it had been Futrell's birthday, his thirty-seventh. But Ismay was a stranger, and Futrell, mystery writer that he was, viewed this unexpected, undeserved kindness with suspicion. We have a suite on sea deck, darling, he told her. Born in Georgia, years of newspaper work up north had whittled his southern accent away, leaving only the faintest hint. Do you have any idea how much that costs? She shrugged, her features soft in the cool shadow of her wide-brimmed, large-domed, lilac-banded hat. It's not costing us anything more than our second-class fare, is it? Twenty-three hundred dollars. Her blue eyes flared, then settled into their hooded, deceptively languid state in the smooth oval mask of her face. Must you look every gift horse in the mouth, dear? Everything has a reason, Futrell said, nibbling an impossibly hard roll, the only food the British had mastered, in his opinion. And nothing in life is free— particularly on the Titanic. She reached across the fine linen tablecloth to touch his hand with her gloved one. You have a right to travel first class. You're Jacques Futrell. If you add the American Conan Doyle to that, I'll... Her pretty mouth formed an insolent pucker, a kidding kiss. Knock me into a cocked hat. 
My hat's cocked already, Jack. <laughs> Don't you think a second honeymoon would be fun? She was a pretty thing, and smart as a whip, too. Probably smarter than he was, he'd always felt. Even now, in her mid-thirties, the mother of his two teenaged children, the former Lily May Peel was as beautiful as the day she'd stood beside him in her parents' home on Hilliard Street in Atlanta when the couple had said their vows. But God help any man who married a southern belle. Darling, he said, traveling first class is not a privilege of celebrity. I may have achieved fame and success, but we are still resolutely a part of the middle class. The prosperous middle class? Undoubtedly, but not the wealthy upper class. You read the article in the Times. You saw the names of those who've booked first-class passages.